and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. It was another weekend of frustration for the lads as High Flying at Twitch Town overturned a 1-0 deficit to defeat us 2-1 on Saturday. However, we do have a chance to make amends with the Sky viewers as we host Hull City this coming Friday live on the Telebox. It wasn't actually that long ago we faced each other with Hull, but um, it's amazing how quickly things can change. So we have recruited, as we always do, the excellent Ant from the award-winning To Hull and Back podcast. Ant, how are you doing, mate? You are right? I am fine, mate. How are you? Uh, in general, not bad. Football? Football-wise? Eh, eh, been better. <laughs> been better, but... Um, I think football's not meant to make you happy. I don't know why we get into it. We should just stop watching it. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, we are chatting ahead of the FA Cup replay with uh, Birmingham City tonight. So the game's not actually being played. So let's look at yeah. probably something that's more important. Looking at your lineup, it's probably more important anyway. Your last game, a 2-1 home defeat to, to Norwich City. How was the performance? Really good. Um, it was. We've had a few of these games this season where we actually play really, really well, um, you know, dominate large periods of the game. And um, more often than not, it's it's a case of we just don't put our chances away. We're so wasteful in the final third. And at the minute, there, there is excuses in, in the sense of we are missing key players um, to this system, that the ones that were really making us tick earlier in the season. You think of your Philogenes, Delap recently, who's just gone out injured, and John Michael Serry's gone to AFCON. These, these kind of players, like, that are going to be the first names on the team sheet every single week and were the, the prime force of, of anything good that we did are currently missing. And 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 I think the team's struggling because of it. We're, we're losing a lot of natural balance in the side, trying to put square pegs in round holes, trying to cover up that gap. So, yeah, we've we, we've hit a bit of bad form over the, the, the Christmas month, but hopefully, fingers crossed, um, Philogene's back for this game, even though I don't think he'll start up off the bench. But, no, we did, we're desperately needing reinforcements in the transfer window, that's for sure. I wanted to ask you about Philogene because I think he was injured about, give or take, a month ago. And I think, mm. you know, unless you don't watch any championship games outside of Sunderland, I think it's hard to, to not tell how well he's been playing for you. And the laps always been relatively impressive, but these players have been missing and, and they have gone. Um, how serious is that injury? And is he likely to, is there a chance that he could actually start on, on Friday or is it likely to be on the bench? I think there's a chance he can start. Um, I, I, I probably, Rosinia likes to sort of um, ease players back into it rather than rush them back and lose them again. And I think that's probably the smartest thing because with us losing Delap now for two or three months, um, if, if we're going to realistically be in, a, in, in for a shout of the top six, we're going to need Philogene fit. So rather than bringing back, you know, two or three games early, um, you know, maybe easing back in and make sure that we get him back fully fit and firing because the, the worst thing to do would be to bring him back, rush him into a game against Sunderland, then lose him again for another month or so. So, um, I, th- I think there is a chance that he'd be involved against Sunderland. I think he might probably leave him out for that game and bring him in for the one after on the bench or something. But, um, no, we, we, we're, we're desperate for him to come back because he was, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, with what he was doing for us before he got injured, he was our top scorer actually before he, um, got the injury at QPR away and then. We've just not really looked the same since. You know, we've tried to have players um, sort of single-handedly take the game by the scruff of the neck. People like Liam Delap, who, who have similar impacts in the side, but just aren't as gifted technically. But like I say, hopefully he's back relatively soon. But I'm, I'm OK with Virginia just sort of holding off on bringing him back if it means we're getting back fully fit. Talking about fitness and stuff like that, I know we've, we've seen your lineup. Obviously, you don't know the result at the moment by the time this is out that the game will have been played. But... We've got Birmingham City in the FA Cup tonight, FA Cup replay. You, if you get through, you play Leicester, as you told me before, so it's not really a great reward 
Um, we normally wouldn't touch on a game that hasn't really been played yet, but I, I did find it wild that you were actually playing a game tonight, even if you have to put out a, a more weakened team. How did the fans feel about that when that first kind of got confirmed that you were playing two games in four days? Well, um, other than the fact that we have to play Birmingham four times this season, which is a, a bit of a curse to any side. Um, no, it's, it's the thing is with the FA Cup in it is is you want a cup run if it means that you're getting you know your ground ticks or you're really good away days or you know something like that that that's different to your average every championship game that we have every week. Um, we played a, a relatively weak side against Birmingham last time out as well, and actually still managed to play really well, but. We were losing 1-0, went down to a really soft goal and, and it was a usual case of we had a lot of ball, a lot of chances and weren't doing much with it. Um, and then we managed to get a late equaliser through young Matty Jacob, who's, who's a bit of a legacy player for us. His granddad played for us back in the 80s and such. So um, it, 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 I think it was a case of we'd have probably rather have gone out. <laughs> you know, rather gone out than have a replay. It's either a win or lose, I think, in the FA Cup because no, the replay does very few people favours unless, you know, you're you're non-league or league two side going to a big club and getting that TV revenue. For us, it's it's another game, another chance for more injuries when the squad's already stretched thin as it is. Um, you know, we've, we're losing players this transfer window. We've only brought in the one, two so far. Um, so at the minute, the squad really needs reinforcements and not extra games. So tonight's a bit of an um, inconvenience, I think, for us. Um, if we go through, we go through. I don't think Many people are hoping we go through because realistically the chances of winning the FA Cup are very minimal anyway. Um, so, yeah, like we say, a reward trip to Leicester, who we're going to have to face again at some point in the season again, um, isn't isn't the most enticing prospect. So I think we'd probably be quite happy to go out tonight. Um, but, you know, like we say, if you win games, you win games. You're not really bothered, are you? I looked at the lineup. And you'll know better than I am. But it looked changed even to me. I think there's a player there making his debut, a young boy. Um how changed is that team? Because as a Sunderland fan, you look at it and go, oh, two games in four days, and you're hoping that at least some of your players have to play both, so you're a bit knackered on Friday. But it looked, to me, it looked different, but you'll be able to tell me how many have actually been taken out. Yeah, it's very different. Um, so, obviously, Ingram's our second-choice keeper. Um, Lakilo is probably our fourth-choice winger. Um, well, to be, to be honest, we I think we only have the two or three wingers, so he's probably our second, third-choice winger anyway. Um, we've got a few young players in there like Andy Smith um, like you say Stan Ashby who's another one of those legacy local players is, is daddy and was our captain from League 2 to the Premier League so so he's making a, a quite sentimental debut tonight um, yeah we've got a lot of youngsters in that team Harry Vaughan's a young lad he's he's involved in the first team but but usually is sporadically off the bench towards the end of a game yeah it's not a very strong team I think he's definitely prioritising the league at the minute and obviously the game on the weekend against Sunderland we lost Scott Twine uh, this week has Burnley recalled him and sent him out to Bristol City. So our, our realistic depth at the minute is 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 very short. Um, Sellers Fleming as well is getting a start. He's, he's a young striker who's been coming sporadically off the bench because of injury. So yeah, it's it's definitely not a full strength team whatsoever. Um, you know, it's probably a mixture of second, third string, and uh, with a few youngsters dabbled in there for a bit of experience. So yeah, I, can, I think it's that's that's about as serious as Rosini is taking this game tonight. You touched on Scott Twine there. Um... I think he's a really cracking little player that, you know, he's in a Burnley side that effectively walked the league. Not quite the way Leicester are doing it, but nonetheless, they, they, they were quite comfortably clear. Um, the only sort of link I could make with him getting recalled and then going to Bristol City was I'm pretty certain he played under Liam Manning at MK Dons. That was my thought process. And I thought, oh, massive blow for Hull, that. Then I kind of did a bit of research on your forums and stuff like that. And it felt like 
some fans were like, yeah, he was good. And some fans went, eh, not as good as we wanted him to be. Is it a big blow losing Scott Twine, in, in your opinion? Um, I think if we'd have had, say, for example, we have no injuries and, and there's no AFCON that's taken a couple of players away. Um, we've got a, a, a good side to pick from. Twine doesn't start. Um, he, he's, he came in with a lot of hype. We'd, we'd been after him for a couple of years. We tried to sign him permanently before Burnley did last season. Um, but at the time, we had Shorter Avaladze as manager and, and I think someone mentioned the fact that he, he'd he said that he'd met with Shotter and he tried to ask him like how he was going to fit into the system tactically and Shotter didn't really have a clue, which um, from his stint at the club <laughs> probably makes sense. Um, and he chose obviously Burnley and companies giving him a more comprehensive uh, and and promising uh, promises to what he's going to do. Uh, but then he got a long-term injury uh, quite early in his Burnley career, missed the majority of the season, didn't come back into the side till did pretty much won the league anyway. So he's not really had a chance to have a crack at the championship. So when we signed him on loan, um, you know, he chose us above a lot of the other championship clubs. You're thinking, here we go. We've got one of the most coveted players in the league. Um, he's going to help take us to that that sort of period of of, of, of um, top six challenging that, that Rosini wants to get us into. And we just never really saw it. I mean, you can tell he's one of those, you know, the old phrase, there's a player in there. That's, that's Scott Twine. Um, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've come out of a game and said, you know what, Twine was played really well today. Most of the times, unfortunately, he was a passenger. We didn't really get to see, you know, the the, the set piece specialist that that we were promised. And you know, he scored four goals. One of those was a penalty. One was a free kick. One was a deflection from a follow up. So he didn't really make the impact that I think we all wanted him to. And part of it probably is down to the fact that he is much better playing as a number ten. Um, but because of injuries and such this season, he's had to be played out wide and he's just nowhere near as effective out there. Um, and then when we brought in Fabio Cavallo on loan from Liverpool, um, his game time would have dropped because he's, he's not going to play in that number 10 role. And when Philogene comes back from injury, he's not going to play on the wing. Um, and I think Burnley have gone, well, if he's not going to play, then you know Bristol have come in and said, we'll play him every week. And they've, they've recalled him and sent him out to Bristol. So it, it's, it's one of those where... If we'd have if 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 we hadn't have had those options in the number ten role, you know, we've got Adama Traore players there, Ozan two fan players there, Fabio Cavallo has been brought in to play there now, and he's obviously going to play every week. It, you know, I'd I'd rather have let them recall him to free up that loan spot for another winger, which is what we desperately need, um, than keep Scott Twine there if he's not going to play. So yeah, it makes sense for everybody involved. I think. Wanted to touch on the two players you brought in because I've talked a lot about players that are out like that with your injury. Philogene been out for a while, Scott Twine going. But you brought in a player that I feel like every club in the championship, or at least in the top 10, went, oh, we should be after that player, probably Pavalia, who you touched on before. And also, on the flip side, a really interesting one in the shape of Billy Sharp, which I'm not Ooh. sure if that's genius or horrendous. I can't really tell because um, <laughs> he's 30 or well, 47 or something like that. 37, um, 37 that's the one. Um, I knew he was getting on. But, um, you've seen a little bit of Billy Sharp on um, in the league game on Saturday. You've obviously seen um, a bit more of Carvalho, but it's still only the one game. First impressions and, and what were your thoughts on the, the signings as a whole, especially the Billy Sharp one, because that's a really interesting move. Yeah, so the Billy Sharp one had a lot of mixed reviews from from pretty much everybody. And it's one of those where it's like, we had Liam Delap and Aaron Connolly as our striking options. And, you know, they're both, I think, eight and seven goals for something this season. So, you, you know, we thought he's been brought in realistically to be an off the bench if we need a goal in the last 10 minutes kind of striker. Championship's all-time leading goal scorer. He can't really scoff at the chance to sign somebody like that on a free. Um, yes, he's getting on. But I think when you look at it from Brazilian's perspective, he's brought him in for 
his his know-how in you know the running at the end of the season if we're still challenging for the top six you know he's going to have that experience to try and pass on to what we've got a very young attacking line so I'm thinking he's been brought in more as like an experienced steady head to try and guide the younger players as, as, as well as Rosinia so and and a big problem of our of our team this season is we're just so wasteful with our chances so I think if you know you're looking at Liam Delap and everything about his game is just phenomenal but he should score so many more goals than he does and then you think, you know, if we can bring in the championships all-time goal scorer to to give him a bit of guidance in training, that might take him to that point. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter much now because he's injured for three months. But it, it, that it, in thinking, I think that's probably what his theory is to pass that guidance on in training and help, um, you know, some of the other strikers sort of finish help on the finishing. But he's probably going to play more than he expected to because Delap's injured and Connolly got concussed um, after being DDT by the Norwich keeper last time out. So. Um, yeah, he's probably going to play that. a few games at the minute. Yeah, and, and he, he conceded a foul for that, by the way, and got yeah. a yellow card. Mm, yeah, it was a bit mad. But yeah, so I think the Sharp one is probably more of an off-the-pitch than on-the-pitch contribution kind of signing, whereas Cavalio is, you know, when he played for Fulham, he was fantastic. He was in the, the PFA team of the season, I think, as well. He had nearly 20 goal contributions over the, the entire season. Um, phenomenal player, big money move to Liverpool. It's not really, you know, he's not had that chance in the Premier League yet, but had a had a loan spell at Leipzig earlier on this year and they weren't really playing him. So Liverpool have recalled him and, you know, the, he had a host of clubs to choose from. I think Wolves were in for him. Fulham were back in for him as well. And obviously Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, they, these teams all wanted him. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, he's going to play every week here. So I think that's why he's chosen to come here. Um, hopefully we can get the best out of him because in that number 10 role, he's on his day. And if he recaptures his early Fulham form um, from a few years ago, he'd be one of the best creative tens in the league. So, Desperately um, wanting him to get up to that match fitness because you can tell he's not played in a while. Um, he'd only had two days training before he played against Norwich and still looked one of the best players on the pitch. That's a, that's a good thing for me because um, once he forms them connections and that understanding with those players around him, he'll he'll be, he'll be great. So yeah, hopefully we can keep him fit and um, when we get Philogene back and hopefully you know one of these signings like your Benson or your Zarari that we've been after. Having them three behind, you know, Billy Sharp or Aaron Connolly is a, it sounds a very lethal attack for us. So yeah, a couple of good recruitments so far for me. But um, yeah, we definitely need more, especially in the uh, the old left back position because we just don't have any left backs. Neither do we at the minute, but that's due to injuries. So looking at your form, you probably do need the likes of Carvalho to to sort of hit the ground running alongside Philogene coming back and things like that. You're touching it a little bit with the players being out, but you, I think you're on a win of one win in six, um, including the cup game. Outside of the, the players being injured and the players not being available, shall we say, has there been any other sort of reason for your recent downturn in form? Uh, no, I just think it's, it's you know, like we say, we, we were flying high before um, we lost Philogene um, and then and then added on to that, we just kept losing players. And, and the I think the, the one problem we've had this season, which was a real strength of ours last season, Obviously, barring the four-all at your guys' ground, <laughs> which was mad, um, we were really good defensively last season. That was what Rosinia built last season's form on because we couldn't really score goals last season. We didn't have any goal scorers in the team. Um, we, we we tried to shut teams out and we did it really well. Then this season, you think, you know, if we can keep that defensive solidity but add goals to our game, we'll be there. Um and we have added goals to our game. I think there's very, very few games. I think there's only three or four games maybe that we've not scored in this season. But the problem is we can't clean clean sheets. Can't keep clean sheets this season, um, and I think part of it's down to the fact that we recruited really poorly in the left back position. That was a that was a position that we needed to strengthen last season. 
Um, and we put all our eggs in the Ruben Vinagra basket and he'd played 20 games over the last two years because of injury. So it's a massive risk. I mean, phenomenal player who did really well for Wolves when they won the league and had a little stint in the Premier League with them as well. But if, if, if you're sort of, you know, putting all those eggs in, in a basket of a player that's always injured, then at least have a decent backup, which we didn't do. We went and recruited a, a young left-back from Brighton who's actually starting tonight, James Fairlong. Um, and, you know, if is then not fit to play, we should have a, a, an able-bodied backup. But he just didn't seem to want to play Fairlong. Kept saying in interviews he's not ready. You know, he's a young player kind of thing. So we've either having to be player Jacob Greaves out in, in, in left-back or, like we say, young Matty Jacob came through um, recently and he's been playing and, and, and playing very well. So it's it's... We just we seem unbalanced at times. We maybe need a bit more bite in midfield, and more often than not, it's just we've come out of games where we've had plenty of chances and just not put them away. So it's it's decision making in the final third. You know that that, that final pass, a bit of composure in front of goal. That's all we're missing. We're a very nearly team, um, and I feel like next season, once we've properly, you know, another transfer window, another summer, where Rosini can sort of shift some of the last heretic summer players out of the window and get some in that he wants um, we'll, we'll be a far more organised and better side next year but whilst we're in the fight for the top six this year you've got to go for it and we've got to try and iron out these mistakes I wanted to chat to you about Liam Rosinha because I suppose in some ways um, although it's not an identical career path he's had a very similar path to our manager in some senses, that he was the the main man and a lot of people said he was the brains behind the, the coach or the manager, sorry, i.e. Gerard at Rangers with Beale and Wayne Rooney at, at Derby. And I think, to be fair, Rooney's reputation at Derby was really good. Um, and then it fell off a cliff since he's lost Liam Rosinha. But I think when you look at Rosinha across the, the championship, there seems to be a big respect for him in terms of what he's doing. It seems like all fans are really happy with him. If you go through the forums, you've won one in six. There's not one person I can see in that forum even going close to, to critiquing him. And there's other championship clubs when the managers are losing the job mentioning him as a potential option. We spoke when he first took over and you were kind of thinking early signs are really good. Like we're quite enjoying this. This is good. That's good. You just need to iron this out and that out. Um, I think for the bulk of the season, the Hull have been one of the at least top eight sides of the season. And I thought our win down at your place was a really good win. Yes, you've been out of form, but it feels like something's building under Rosinha. You're now much further along in the story with Rosinha. With sorry. What are your thoughts on him and, and why the Hull fans seem to love him so much at the moment? Um, I think it's because he's he's played a big part in reconnecting the fans of the club. I think it was a very smart appointment by obviously the owner Adjun because um with the Avalads well the Grant McCann era of Hull City, he, despite him winning the league one title, he never really had a connection with the fans. You know, he was he was always one or two defeats away from everyone being on his back. Um and then we brought in Shotto, no one really knew, didn't have really any connection with, you know, it, it was a new takeover, it was a new manager, new direction. So everyone got behind him in that sense. But it never really took off. Um, and then Rosini is kind of like that reset now. So it's almost like, you know, he took over us when we were 21st place uh, and looking absolutely dreadful and going down to League One with the worst the worst defence in the league. And we stay up comfortably with one of the, I think, the fifth best defence in the league we finished with in, in that time period. So, you know, it, it's clear that he's in his very early managerial career, he's, he's able to steady ships, make necessary changes, identify things that need to happen and do it. 
Um, and it seems like a bit of a blessing in disguise that, and not well, not even in disguise, but it's, it's, it's a match made in heaven that our own, we've got this very happy, generous, ambitious owner with this young, up-and-coming, hungry, desperate-to-prove-himself English manager. Um, and the two just seem to go together perfectly. And, and they've brought all the fans back. You know, we're getting 20k a week back in at the MKM Stadium. You know, everything's good. Everyone's happy. We're all pulling in the same direction. We're playing some of the most attractive football we've played in my lifetime, especially. Um, so, yeah, I just think that given get, when, when when this side properly becomes a Liam Rosinia side, um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll be all guns blazing. But like we say, we're, we're seeing steady progress. The fact that we've gone from relegation candidates to top six candidates in a year, um, I think is is testament to Rosinia and what he's done. Um, and uh, everyone could see that, that the style of play he wants to do and where he wants to take us. So I think everyone's behind him and probably will be for the foreseeable. Yeah, he seems like he's done a relatively safe job. It was literally not one comment even criticising any part of him, despite the kind of poorish run that you're on. Um, part of that run, weirdly enough, was a 1-0 defeat to Sunderland because we're kind mm. of that team this season where we're we're playing each other in quick succession. I went down to Hull, and to be honest, um, it feels like a long, long time ago, but it was a good performance. I think, you know, second half we we played really well, and it was a really good, a really good sign that you know maybe there was something that we could get from this Michael Deal appointment, which let's be honest wasn't that popular within the Sun uh, Sunderland fan base. Um, but what did you make of Sunderland on on that day? Because obviously it's a very different Sunderland to maybe the one you saw last season. I mean, to be fair, that four four game was—I don't think that was Sunderland or Hull. That was just a complete <laughs> anomaly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what did you make of the performance that day? Because that was Sunderland, maybe not at our best, but but not not doing too badly. I thought Sunderland definitely deserved to win on the day. It was one of those rare home games where we actually played really poorly. Um, I said in, in our podcast chat after the game that we played almost like the away side. But I think it was more um, testament to to the tactics that Beal set up with because a lot of teams, um, with the way that we play out from the back and things like that, a lot of teams try and press us high and that's what we want them to do because then we can exploit that space on the wings and, and, and counter-attack. But Sunderland went in a really different way and I think we've not seen any other side do that against us and, and we really struggled with it. So... You, you, you didn't press us necessarily too far into our half. They just sat four, your, your front four, sort of like blocking the, the the passing route to our midfield, making us go long. And I, and I thought, to me, like I, I could see all this hate for, for Beale and, and from an outside perspective, like he did really well at QPR before he, you know, a bit, bit of a Judas and jump ship to Rangers, first chance he got. But he, he did okay at QPR. Like I think they were top of the league in October or something like that. So for me, I, I felt like he was a, probably a safe gamble for, for a championship club but Sunderland fans seem to be against him from the off but I was really impressed with Sunderland that day and I think um, you know we, we went obviously we weren't in the best form and, and we were missing some players but Sunderland really did take the game to us and I think it was in the end obviously Louis Coyle dealt with Jack Clark I thought really well most of the game and then it took for him because we all we all we all said we don't Cyrus Christie this season has, after his injury has just been an absolute um, hindrance to the team Whenever he plays, we seem to concede from his side. And we didn't want him to play against Sunderland because either side, Roberts or Clark, were going to be in trouble with Christie there. And he played Regan Slater in, in fullback instead as a midfielder, which tells you everything about Christie's form this year. Um, but when Coyle went off injured and we had to bring Christie on to, to defend against Clark, and then we brought Jason Lakilo on, who's, who's, who's coming back from injury and wasn't fresh enough, to support him on that side and track back. And then that was it. That was that was that was how we lost the game. You know, Lakilo didn't track his man. Christie's one on one. He lets him cut inside, and that's what Clark does. 
So it, it's a disappointing to lose the game in, in a sense of, you know, if Coyle was on, that probably wouldn't have happened. But you can't argue with the fact that Sunderland deserve to win that game. And I was quite impressed with how they de- dealt with us tactically, trying to nullify our style of play. But like you say, it's just not really ca- caught on since. And you, 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 I don't know, maybe. Do you, do you do you think because I'm going to reverse this question too? Do you think that maybe it's hard? He's almost got an impossible job because Sunderland fans have kind of written him off before he'd even had his first game. I think the appointment was incredibly unpopular, and I think it kind of flew in the face of maybe what we expected we were going to get. So he was already on the back foot. I felt there was a lot of people that did say, "Give him a chance." Now he's here. Give him a shot. I kind of went with that as well a little bit, although I was really unhappy with the appointment. But I, yeah, I think he's on a hiding to nothing, to be completely honest with you. Mm. Um, I think like any manager, if it comes in and you don't really understand why or how they got the job, and if it doesn't really align with what you thought you were going to get from what the club say they're trying to do, mixed with what you expected the club to do, yeah, it's a bit of a blow. And he's coming in from someone who was a popular manager most of his time here. Um, and I think it's really difficult to turn a ship around of any football club when the fan base tends to swing towards a certain opinion. But I hope so. I hope he changes that. I'd, I'd love nothing more than to be proven wrong, but I'm not, I'm not convinced at the moment. But one big thing that baffled me at that game, and I don't know if you can answer this, the wise men say Derby. Oh, yeah. Mm. I know, I've known you've sang it for a while. Um, how long have you sang it and were you aware that we both sing it and who sang it better? Um, well, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've, we've sang it um, for as long as I can remember. I'm I'm 29 now and um, we always used to sing it at our games but obviously when I first started watching us we were at Boothry Park so, you know, 15k attendance and such and playing at the basement of English football it, it wasn't as loud and proud as it is nowadays but you see, for me, I'm I'm I feel like I'm in a bit of a minority with City fans, and I I I will sing it when we do, but I I think we need something that's more original and more for us because, like you say, there's there's like three or four clubs in this country that sing that song, and it's just it's just mad. Like when when uh, for example at our ground, if when we when you're playing the song before kickoff and the away fans join in with you, it's not it kind of defeats the purpose of doing that song. Um, you know, it's like someone going to. Leeds, for example, and joining in with matching on together, it's, it's just ludicrous, <laughs> isn't it? So, um, no, for me, like, I'd, I'd be quite happy if we never sang it again, but I'm not going to not sing it when we do. It's, it's, yeah, it's a bizarre one. Um, I believe Huddersfield sing it as well, don't they? I think in this league, there's a, there's a couple of teams that sing it. The two that I know was 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 us, and obviously it was Boxing Day, so we'd had a one or two as it was. Um, yeah. I was in the front row. and then I played, and everyone sang it like they do at our home games. And then you kind of went, hang on a minute. And then it became like a competition between the two and everyone around me is going, oh, we sang that louder. And I'm going, it's because we're right next to each other. I can't actually tell if yeah. <laughs> we sang it louder or not. But it made me think like, but then I think from a Sunderland perspective, the history of both clubs, you have had a period of time in the sort of the fourth tier where predominantly the lowest point for us was the third tier a couple of years ago. Do you think it's more of a case of because we haven't really crossed, for want of a better phrase, crossed swords that very much, that we weren't yeah, really aware I- each other sang it? I, th- I think probably that's that's probably spot on. Um, like I say, we 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 kind of went from because we spent nineteen years in the bottom division, um, almost going out of out of business, almost going into the non-league, and then obviously around two thousand um, onwards, we kind of just went on this enormous run where we we rose up the leagues and um, 
to find ourselves to where we are now. But it's yeah, like you say, I think you know we, we've not really been in the same league that often. Um, we played each other a couple of times in the Premier League and then the Championship, and then obviously you guys went down and we came down and played each other. There, but when we ba- we went back up and then you guys came up after, so we've kind of just sort of dabbled in it. But yeah, no, it, yeah, it's, it's it's weird for me. I'd I'd rather have something some like a House Martin song or something because they're from all like that 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 for me suits it more but I think we trialed it before and not that many people join in and stuff so I don't know if it'll ever change but no it's cringy like imagine if we both got to the playoff final and and play the same song pre-match it's just mad isn't it it's crazy could be good but yeah it'd be good yeah I mean they wouldn't have to play it twice they could just play it the once if they did play the house martins though I'd also join in with that so (laughs) I like a bit of house martins but um we trialed caravan of love before I think and it didn't really catch on so they maybe need to try it again more for mm. you lot. You should have sang that. Great tune. Um, mm. Two more for you because you've got a really important FA Cup third round replay to watch. Um, mm. I think I know the answer to this is the same answer every single week, but I will ask it nonetheless. From the performance that you've seen on uh, the 26th of December and just from what you've seen us on this season, who are the players that you're least looking forward to facing? Uh, yeah, Jack Clark all day, every day. He's just a he's nightmare he, for every defence. I'm kind of hoping that you guys sell him in January. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a very good player. Um, I, I like, uh, obviously, Joe Bellingham as well. Um, I think he's he's got one of those really rare pressure types on him, but because his brother's so good, um, people kind of look at him and expect him to reach the same heights eventually. So he's kind of got a bit of extra scrutiny on me I don't know if, uh, from a Sunderland fan perspective but from a neutral when you're seeing him play and score you, you're almost looking at him going I wonder if he's any as good as Jude is or if he's getting there kind of thing so um, yeah he's he's quite an exciting player to see um, I'm quite surprised that they, they let you get him to be fair um, I didn't think Birmingham would sell to another championship club um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it confused me that but he yeah but, uh, Bellingham Roberts is an exciting player I think he's one of those um very strange flair players where he's really good on the ball but his end product just is missing and he's like one of those really nearly players again but you see Sunderland are one of these really you know Dan Neal as well I'm a huge fan of it if if I could steal any player from the Sunderland side barring um, obviously Jack Clark who I imagine will have probably a couple of Premier League bids in for him this month um, Dan Neal would be perfect for the, for our system and the way we play especially if um, Seri's contract runs out we don't renew it him, he, he would be absolutely perfect in our system. But I really like Dan Neil. Um, and I think he'd be a perfect Rosinia ball kind of player as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to be on the ball when, when keeping him out of the game because he ran the show at the MKM. I thought he was really, really good. Um, like Clark gets all the plaudits, of course he does. But for me, Dan Neil, he, he keeps it ticking. And, and O'Neill as well. I, I hate him, but <laughs> I understand. Like he's, he's an absolute hauser, isn't he? But um, you know, you'd you'd have him in your side all day, all day, every day. Absolute workhorse, plays really well. Um, you know, we're getting with him every week, and yeah, like you say, kind of play you had to play against, but you'd love to have him in your team. Interesting that you said Dan Neil. I have this thought process that there's two types of football fans in this world: people that rate Dan Neil and people who don't know anything about football. And I'll stand by that. Um, so, well, <laughs> well, the <laughs> uh, last but not least, now I just want to point out: I normally say I never get my predictions right. I predicted we'd lose two one last week, and I got it right. Um, the second time this season, so um, I'm not going to get too nervous. Predict another loss, just in case. You know what? I actually am going to. I'm oh, yeah. actually going to. Yeah. You have kind of got something on us, I think, sometimes at home. I can't remember the last time we really beat Hull at home. I want to say it was Jibble Cissé, 2008. I could be wrong. Um, oh, no, the championship season when we were absolutely wank 
for want of a better word, we um we won one nil, and I think Soro scored. I could be wrong, but I fancy you to Nikos. I don't know why. Um, I hate to be negative about stuff like that, but the first time I think I predicted us to get beat this season, and I got it right. So I I think we'll get beat two one. That's very surprising because I'm I'm not going to be anywhere near as I'm I'm not going to predict us to lose. I think I think I would hundred percent take a point from Sunderland. Our current um <laughs> the state of our starting eleven at the minute is just a bit um uh it's a bit Frankenstein-y at the minute. Square pegs, round holes. Um, centre midfielders playing as fullbacks. Um, strikers on the wings. All these kind of stuff trying to just field an eleven at the minute, but. I just don't see us having enough goals, really. To and we've got a really tough run of games as well. I mean, we've just had to play Norwich and we just lost to them. And we've got Sunderland and I think we've got Southampton as well. So at St Mary's as well. So that's going to be a bit of a bit of a trek and a and a game to see. But I think I think we'll probably start prioritising defence over attack. I think it'll probably be a Sunderland dominated game. You'll have all the possession, probably the majority of the chances. If we can nick a set piece, which we do very rarely, I might add, um, or, you know, a, a bit of a, a goal from nothing and have something to hold on to. I think that's the only way we get something from the game, but I'd be quite happy um, with the point. So I'm going to go for, um, I think, a 1-1. I think we hold on for a last 10-minute Sunderland throw the kitchen sink barrage and, and scrape away with a point. I love that. My guest is more positive about Sunderland than I am. Brilliant. This tells you the mood <laughs> that I am in at the moment. <laughs> because but, um... we're in such a state at the minute. Nonetheless. Um, and thanks for joining. Always good to catch up, mate. I hope you had a good Christmas. I was looking forward to catching up over Christmas, but I didn't want to disturb you on Boxing Day because no one deserves that. Well, oh, don't worry, mate. I wasn't doing anything. I was actually waiting for your message and you didn't come. And I thought, oh, oh. I must have had somebody else. A little bit wounded. You used to me not coming, mate. What can I say? Um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs>